Hi. I'm Ken. This is Arbitrarily Deterministic, the show where we talk to the people who are blurring the lines between art, technology, and popular culture. When we do this, we talk about NFTs quite often, and NFTs are by nature financialized instruments. Anything we say here today is meant as entertainment and not as financial advice. So please, if we do somehow make something that makes you think like you want to go buy some shit, don't don't do it on our accord. Do your do what you're supposed to do and if you're gonna buy some crap. So today I'm joined by Ed. Carpe diem Ed. Hi. Hey there. And Ed and I are gonna talk to Clown Vamp today. But before we do that, Ed it's cool that you've come on to be the co-host here today. I, I like having a co-host because whenever things uh, start to fall apart a little bit, the other person that's hanging out with me here can kind of bring it back in. And you you can talk. So this is a plus. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely talk. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a rambler myself, so it might be a bit of uh, putting two, two together and hoping it cancels each other out. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invite. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this chat with uh, Clown Vamp. It's going to be great. Before we have Clown Vamp on, Ed, I want to ask you, do you own any of the pieces from Clown Vamp? Yes, uh, we as a DAO, the, the DAO that I run operations for, Carpe DM, we, we have quite a few pieces. I've actually, I've probably got about uh, the same amount in my personal private collections as, as the DAO does. So not only a fan uh, um, as a DAO, I, I'm personally a big fan of uh, Clown Vamp. I've you know been, been following him and uh, his work uh, collecting and more recently his actual, actual work. So, yeah. That's cool. That's really great. And I, I, I have to say that the one thing that, that happens whenever I'm with the Clown Vamp stuff is that every day I get an offer, and most of the time they're pretty stinky offers, but like I get an offer for one of the pieces or another that I have from Clown Vamp. I'm, so it's pretty pretty crazy. So anyway, without further ado, hi, Clown Vamp. Hi, how are you? Um, that was such a nice intro, guys. I uh, I feel the love already. Oh, well, good, good. <laughs> so you you kind of know why we have you on here, but why do you think I have you on here? Um, I mean, I don't know why anyone would have a vampire who doesn't like to bite people on their show. <laughs> um, but you know, I think on the wild words of the internet, I you know do a lot of collecting on Tezos. You know, these days it's heavy focus on AI art. And I also create a series that, two series now that are uh, narrative driven pieces using AI art and storytelling. And so, you know, I think those might be the reasons why, but you might also be interested in psychoanalyzing what drives a vampire to want to, you know, leave and join the circus. So I, I don't know. You, you'll have to, you'll have to tell me. All of the above, <laughs> all of the above. Hey, so here's, here's a thing. Like, so were you collecting AI art already before you started making it? Or were you, I mean, like, how did that play out? Yeah, so basically, I actually was thinking this morning, I should go back and find the first piece. But basically, earlier this year, must have been Gambrood. Earlier this year, I started getting into, like, collecting AI art. And 
this is just as some of the first pieces coming off of the mid-journey beta had come out. And so these new latent diffusion models, which, you know, had taken AIR from being this sort of, you know, this result of, you know, I'm trying to say this in the right way, but like a lot of the early AIR was sort of a proof of concept from a technology perspective. Yeah. And right? it was like trying to show something coherent. And all of a sudden, you know, once these latent diffusion models started coming out and being accessible, people were minting things that were not just, coherent but also aesthetically incredible right and that was just like started blowing my mind and i just started collecting it and i built this thesis that like this is like a really big deal and that sort of snowballed into you know now 80 percent of my collecting is ai art and obviously 100 percent of my creating Mm. so you're mostly collecting ai ai art at this point that's crazy yeah. So it's, it's, it's about 80% if I had to sort of guesstimate, um, it's about 80%. It might be less in like a dollar perspective because a lot of the AI art is pretty early in the life cycle. So it's, you know, I think right now very reasonably priced, um, not financial advice. Um, and so, but yeah, it's definitely at least 80% of the like quantity of what I'm collecting mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, actually some of the earlier stuff from, Ivana and from uh, from Ganbrood from Boz are, are pretty expensive at this point. So those are pretty pricey. Yeah, I mean, so I think about AI art in sort of waves so far. So I think there was this first wave that was before these latent diffusion models, and you know Crespo and Gan and you know Quasimondo. Like I think you know a lot of their early work is very squarely into that. Um, and then there's this second wave that obviously has you know. 2022 has been like the year, right? Because these yeah. models came out this year and we've seen just over the last few months, just ramping up and up and up. So yeah, the, those first wave, there's some stuff that's very expensive. Um, and I think, you know, makes sense for it to be very expensive. And the second wave, there's a few people like Claire Silver who, you know, starting to see prices, you know, get up there, but I still think, you know, relative to, I think the importance of it, I, I'm enjoying focusing on collecting there. Cause I think there's, a lot of people who fast forward 10 years from now, I think we're going to look back and say, wow, those like early second wave AI artists were really, really important, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And right now, this moment, as we're talking, we're like living in the middle of it. And so it's like a fun time as a collector because I feel like a kid in a, like a candy shop or I feel like you know, I'm hanging out you know, with Andy Warhol's friends in 1959 or something. So. <laughs> You- I, I, I had a question about that sort of conviction you came in with as well. Like just sitting on the sidelines, we're, we're watching a lot of collectors' wallets and noticed that the, the level of conviction that you came in with was, was really impressive. And I just assumed, I mean, did you have like a sounding board or a group of, group of people, maybe from a DAO or other collectors that you went, oh, yeah, that, this, is, this is the real deal and we need to go hard on this? Or, or was it just your own mind? You just had, had this kind of confidence in yourself to go after something so strongly? Um, I mean, uh, I think, you know, the other way to maybe phrase this is like, maybe I'm just like dumb enough to, <laughs> you know, be blindly <laughs> convicted of things. Um, but yeah, no, this was, the AI stuff is really just me getting, you know, really excited. So I was, you know, starting to collect a few pieces and then I got access to the mid journey beta 
um, while it was still invite only. And I, you know, started using it and playing with it. And that feeling, that dopamine from creating something that's aesthetically, you know, beautiful was just so riveting. Like, I was like immediately obsessed. And I've, you know, been someone who, you know, throughout my like other things I've done in life, I've always been really interested in art history and in creative fields and in sort of why humans like are interested in the things they're interested in. And I immediately was like, oh, I want to spend, I want to like quit everything I do and spend all of my time playing with this. And if I'm feeling that way, I'm sure other people will feel that way. Yeah. And so this is going to be really, really important. And that sort of, that sort of snowballed, um, snowballed in, into the sort of conviction. Um, and obviously also like, you know, I started collecting pieces and started finding things and started seeing the variety of work and started building, you know, I have, and we can talk more about it, but like, you know, with AI art, I think, you know, one of the most interesting facets is the, you know, sort of time and effort to create obviously is, you know, down. It's not, it didn't disappear. That's a misnomer, but it's down. And so what that means to me, which is interesting is that the importance of artistic intent and concept is way higher because there's going to be, especially as more and more people get access to these tools, a lot of you know noise. And so I'm really interested in collecting artists that have strong points of view or strong conceptual underpinnings to their AI art. Because I think that long-term that is going to be really stand out. Um, and so that's, that's sort of my like meta thesis, I guess. Do you print any of this stuff? Do you have any of it physically? Um, I'm looking behind me at my printed art. I don't have any AI art printed yet. That is definitely on the sort of short term interest list. Everything behind me right now is like, like a Tim Maxwell thing. I have, you know, a bunch of I have some C3 stuff. We yeah, have no AI art printed yet. I need to do that. Good reminder. <laughs> you know, because it's an interesting idea to me because like if because AI is like it totally is digitally native, right? So like the idea of printing it, it's kind of weird. Because oh, yeah, you know, like is oh it yeah, no, no, I hundred percent. I mean, and I really want to do for my alien you know, series is you know they're all from the eighteen seventies. Like I really want to like. I want to do prints of those with like giant gold antique frames, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and really sort of play with the idea of like timing and timeline. You know what? I worked with a guy um, for a little while and we did a project where we took a picture of a painting and we sent it to China and they made an oil painting of that. Oh, picture. they did it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I've seen that. I thought about that, but I, have, I thought about that as a way of, but there's also these, um, 3D printers that can print using a digital image, they can yeah, build a, this, yeah. a texture map and yeah. create like a fake uh, oil paint texture. So I've been trying to find access to one of those in the US, but it's hard. There's not very many of them. Because that would be the way to do it. Like what, you know what, back to the Chinese thing, what we did was we just went back and forth with it. So whenever they sent us the next one, we took a picture of it and sent that picture back. And then we ended up like with you know, <laughs> 20 iterations of this thing. And it was really cool. But like the, because it really went far from where it was. But you can get that done for really inexpensively. You can get them to do it. But this printing it is, an, is a really cool idea, like getting it 3D printed to where it has that sort of thing. Because then it's yeah. maintaining its digital, you know, its digitalness. That's really fascinating. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I've been trying to find a solution. So if anyone listening 
knows someone with one of these machines, like, you know, DM me. <laughs> I'm sure that there's going to be like, you know, like 50 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I, I mean, I've actually, I actually, I didn't think about that, but that's a really good idea. And that's a really cool thing to have. I mean, like, so, you know, I was talking to Gambrud in at the end of 2021, maybe beginning of 2020, 2022 about like his work. And we were kind of having this discussion about how these new tools are, what, what they're going to mean, you know, and how, how they're going to, mm-hmm. how they're going to reshape this because we both kind of had inkling that this was occurring already. And this is just before anything like before mid journey started announcing stuff. And, um, and, you know, I, I was sort of like in this, I think it, it's going to be really good for him you know, feel, because I started thinking like, oh, this is going to make him have even more relevance down the road, you know, because he's Mm -hmm. been training these things on his own. He's been doing this stuff on his own for all of these years and he's really been crushing it. I mean, you know, he, and he was really the only one doing it like this for so long. Totally. And so I feel like it's, it's sort of like done good for it. It'll do good for him. The problem is, is that like in the crypto art world, people have pretty short memories, right? So it's always about the shiny new thing. And there it feels like maybe, you know, the relevance of the older stuff only becomes apparent down the road. And in the short run, those guys that were doing that stuff originally are going to, you know, suffer a little bit, right? And maybe that's what's happening. I don't really know. But it feels like everybody's rushing into it. And uh, and I'm buying, you know, myself included, I'm buying work from people that like, you know, have really just started making art, you know, haven't ever really done that. And I'm finding myself spending money there and not buying Ganbrood or other people that maybe I would have in the past. You know what I mean? And well, as I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've been over the last two months working my way up to now I'm Gian's top collector in terms of number of pieces. And so, really? uh, you know, I'll just, <laughs> you, know, you don't, I don't mind you keep, keep doing that for like a couple more months. I like have a goal. I'm almost at, so. <laughs> and is it the same kind of process that Richard Nadler uses or is it a different process? I mean, I don't really know much about Richard Nadler's work, but I think one of you sure. guys recently Richard bought. uses more of these Richard uses more of these modern tools. I think he's done some custom models too, but he uses a lot of these modern tools. Mm-hmm. Um like stable diffusion stuff. Um Gan also now uses the modern tools too in addition to some of his, his other stuff. Um so like I, I, I definitely think your point is a good one, right? And I think that's always anytime there's like new technologies or new tools and especially in the art world, there's been like there's these generational shifts, like there's can be asymmetries in timing, right? So like that's part of my thesis for like collecting a lot of cans work. Um like as more and more people get exposed to to AI art and get exposed to this, they'll obviously be curious about like the history of it and like where did it come from and who are the originals and who are the OGs? And so uh, I think long-term, yeah, it's very, very good for Gam because, you know, he's, this is going to be in my mind, one of the most important innovations in visual media ever period. I mean, think about the fact that like for what, five months after the mid journey uh, beta started being accessible and look what's already happened. Yeah. And like think about five years from now, I mean, like we're just getting started. And so I think in terms of like the historical significance of Gan Brood, it's going to be very evident to people, you know, like this is an important movement and like who are the first 10 people of prominence there and Gan's obviously one of them. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's great for him. You know, I think you're sort of, um, you know, there will definitely be weird catch up periods, I think, but I think long-term it's really good for him personally. Mm -hmm. 
you know, one of the first conversations I had with Ed was about AI art. And really cool. Yeah, actually. Well, yeah, I think I got in. I, I got in touch with you because I wanted to get your two cents, and to a, to a certain extent, the same with with you, Clown Vampires. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm running operations for Carpe DM, and we're all trying to learn, as as everyone is in this space. Everyone's trying to learn what what's what's emerging and what's what's um, you know the, the new thing. Um, so yeah, I was trying to reach out and just get his, uh, you know, Ken's two cents on it all and see where he stood because. There is there is this huge um, disparity between, or not disparity, but there's this huge scale between what's going on um, in the background with using GAN and versus using prompt base and and trying to learn about what what's what's perceived as more valuable and what will be more valuable, and so it's always it's kind of a battle of learning and trying to understand that sort of sort of stuff from from you you guys. Mm. Um, but what what are your I'd I'd love to know what your thoughts are on on the the, the opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, when when we do look at um, Gan and these these models that have been trained tirelessly over a long period of time, and then someone that might come come onto Stable Diffusion or Dali and start just spinning something up quickly, is do you think that the the discrepancy in time taken to to achieve results is is something to note as a collector? I um, actually don't. Um, if anything, I think that sometimes, you know, in any sort of art form, we sort of get worked up about effort and skill and sometimes over-focus on those things, even though long-term, what we know about art is that the art that sort of, you know, s- strikes us long-term also has, like, incredible social significance. It has context. It has timing. It has, like, Obviously, Andy Warhol's like a phenomenal example of this. Um, but you look at things like, you know, famously, right, the Mona Lisa, where a big part of why the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa is because it was stolen and like there was all this hub hub about it and like it was all over the press. And when it was returned, everyone had learned about it and was familiar with it, right? And so um, inherently, art is not just about technique and skill and effort, although those are very important. And I think, you know, with AI, if the big thing, the big sort of innovation is that the cost or the time of the actual creating part has gone down dramatically, then, you know, what we just have to focus on is the other pieces. And those things are going to be more and more important. And so I think sometimes in general in art, people can sometimes hide behind technique um, and effort. I think it's somewhat masochistic. Like I think a lot of artists have a lot of imposter syndrome. And I know that talking to even AI artists, I know there's like definitely a feeling like I felt this at times to like do more post-processing or do more painting over or something to like make it feel more like you put more work into it, quote unquote. Um, but I think that's all just like this sort of like addiction to suffering thing. And like <laughs> in reality, like we should be like creating art that like speaks to us, has meaning, has significance and is beautiful. And whatever gets us there, I think is the appropriate thing um so that was a bit rambly but i think you got what i was trying to say no absolutely i think that's uh i mean i i can i i kind of completely understand that side of things you know uh, like historically speaking we obviously see that in works of warhol and, and and other artists so i i do see the merit behind you know um the labor is is kind of 
maybe not so relevant and um, particularly now it's maybe more about how how beautiful these works are and, and as you mentioned earlier the narrative behind them and how they're you know if they capture the zeitgeist well um and and these sorts of things probably have a higher weighting um for these sorts I mean, of works let's get your example right with like you we mentioned like the the oil painting factories of china right like it's yeah. like those painters are super skilled but like it's obviously not this like it's obviously not like art in the way that we think about art right it's like a replica or like think about like a master forger it's just factory it's like work. you know forging great paintings yeah. it's factory work i mean mm-hmm. have you ever seen the have you ever seen the documentary waiting for hockney so uh i haven't but i'm a big hockney fan so i should so it's this guy i don't know where he's at maybe he's like jersey or philadelphia or something he makes this he spends like three years making a absolutely perfect like photo representational drawing of Marilyn Monroe. And he thinks that if if he gets it in front of Hockney, that he's going to be recognized as being the greatest artist of his time because he made this one. (laughs) Right. So, you know, so the move, this document, this is a real documentary and this, you know, this poor guy, I mean, on some level it's sort of like, you know, I mean, it's embarrassing, but like, anyway, he gets in, he finally gets to get in front of Hockney and Hockney's like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's the climax of the movie. Jesus. Basically, well, that it, I need to watch. Oh man, it's oh, it's brutal. But like you know, I gotta say, like I love it because it really brings to that point of technique is not everything. You know, this isn't really how that yeah. works. You know, like like it, it just because you're really fucking awesome at making a painting or really fucking great at drawing a you know whatever like you're that doesn't mean anything ultimately it's about what you've put into it how you get it out what you're doing for at the time oh there's all so much shit you know that goes Hopefully. into yeah like hockney exists within like the context of like when he created his work and the colors and the school of you know painters he came from yeah. and like all these things right and like you can't just like this is why like with master forgers i always think it's such a great example because like master forgers like some of these forgeries are better than the originals but they're not art in the way that we think about art and that's that's a head fuck <laughs> like, yeah that's totally like, wait this person has the talent of like someone who's like a grandmaster but they themselves aren't considered one because of the time like that i think really can get your wheels sort of going you know yeah absolutely i totally agree with that and it, and it is really, really, really strange that, you know, like, like how, wh- why did we choose that person, you know, to be the, you know, like the head of this thing? I mean, I've always been in this, you know, I, like I talked with Will and, uh, with Will and Trinity once on their, on their show about like how I really learned about the art world. And, you know, like I went with a billionaire to go buy a Warhol and he, in, in the process he was forced to buy work from a, a local Cleveland based, like 10 works from local Cleveland based artists. And then he was forced to, in order to buy this Warhol, he had to buy them. And then he had to donate half of those to various museums under his name. And then he had to keep the other bit in his collection. It, it's such a strange, yeah. like this is how art gets into collections. <laughs> That's right? crazy. I never knew that that was going on. What yeah, a pain. It's, it's, it's just, a, yeah. It's, buy it off object would be much easier. huh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's a super opaque world. Like the art world is a really, it's kind of a terrible, dirty, stinky place. And yeah, as I was gonna say, when people critique the NFT world, I'm like, well, the trad art world is like, shit. if you want to like, talk about like weird <laughs> games that people play, like, like that's worse. So. Oh, it's disgusting. I mean, I've worked, I worked in it for, 
I've, I've been in the, you know, art world now for many decades. Right. And so like every, every, you know, when you're in school, they don't teach you shit about how the art world really works. They teach you kind of like a few things here and there. They help you like through your composition and through some other stuff. But like, really, they don't tell you like, this is how you really get things done. Because if they knew, they wouldn't be teaching, right? So like, I mean, you know, for the most part. And not, that, not to say that I didn't have good teachers, because I did. I had really great professors, you know, but and some of them have really advanced very far. Some of them are in the collection of the Met and the MoMA and the Whitney and whatnot. But like, like they're not really like, you know, thought of it. They're not, you know, you're not, they're not really elevated to those, to those levels of, you know, having big solo shows in MoMA, Met and Whitney, just being, you know, having one or two pieces in their collection, which is kind of nice anyway. But in any case, like they don't teach you that stuff. And so I went like out with that guy and he taught me way more in like a few months than I learned in, you know, all, all my years in art school, getting my master's and everything. So, you know, it was a totally different, different mindset anyway. That onto the art part of what you've been doing. Now we've been talking a lot about collecting and why you started making AI art. So what I really dig about what you're doing with the truth and now with Detective Jack is that you're building this narrative around it and you're forcing people to make decisions about what they keep, which is also really cool because you're you're putting it on people to say, this is what's more important to me, one of these or these other things. And that's really, really radical. How did you, why did you come up with this? Give me the give me the whole rundown on 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 your thought process towards this. Yeah, so um, basically, the backstory for the truth was I've always been a big alt history fan. Always been a big fan of like dystopian stories. Like I love like Man of the High Castle, Handmaid's Tale, and these sort of like you're like, wait, is it is this could this happen? You know, that feeling is really fun for me. Mm-hmm. And immediately where my head went with AI was like, wow, you have like the entire corpus of the art history, which is also the story of human history in this model, which is nuts, right? And like, how could you then remix all of this knowledge into like new interesting ways and stories? And like, my mind just like immediately went to like, well, clearly you need, you know, aliens have shown up earlier in history, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, the, the, where where my mind went was like you know the cool thing about history is that it is human history and so if you're going to do alternative history stories well doing alternative art history stories would be like a really fun layer on that and so the truth is a story about a impressionist painter uh who's me um who witnesses the alien invasion in 1870 and then proceeds to paint scenes from that um over the next, you know, hundred something years, and um, each piece comes with a diary entry from the painter um, about what what he's witnessing. And these pieces come out non chronologically, you know, as I find them from my from you know my lost storage. And um, the story is meant to play with these ideas around alternative art history and alternative history. And so, in the story, obviously, the protagonist is an artist. Um, but also the uh, people who are leading, we now know this is not spoiling anything. This has since come out, but the people who are leading the resistance against the alien uh, oppressors are also artists sort of writ large. Um, So yeah, I mean, for me, it's been like incredibly fun and fulfilling project to just to work on and geek out on and think about like, you know, in a world where, you know, you have these like superhuman aliens, you know, who are like leading, you know, leading us, like 
who are the people likely to resist and I actually think artists are a pretty good one. Um, and so, yeah. And so that it really came out of this like personal interest I have in these types of stories and just also wanting to like experiment with using this technology. And this felt like a very, like just like a perfect way to sort of like tell this type of story. Did you have this story already written? No, I had, um, I just like, I had like a idea for a dystopian novel. And so I've been like, I've been working on some other writing that has to do with sort of darker things in life. And I just like, so I've been like in that mindset. And it's just like when I started seeing what people were doing with AI, it's just like immediately where my head went was like, oh, this is like, think about like dystopian stories and think about alt history stories and think about like if you could use like contemporary or contemporaneous art styles with those stories like that's really fucking cool mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so like it, it got like the, the the story geek in me just like going um and i started creating a few pieces and i just was like i was totally like immediately wrapped into the story and so yeah so the truth is meant to be this very like large project um you know i think there's something like you know it's been going on since june um i think there's probably six to nine months more of it, but it's meant to be this sort of grand story with a long arc. Um, it's not like a short project. And one of the things I'm generally interested in with NFTs is like, uh, we can talk, and when we talk about Detective Jack, we can talk about this too, but I'm generally interested in also like slowing things down. Cause I think, you know, you mentioned before, like the pace in which our, this scene goes, and it's so fast and so hyper. Um, but I think long-term, I think that's doing ourselves a disservice. Right. And I think like, a lot of the fun in world building and storytelling comes from like taking your time and being really like slow and thoughtful about it. Um, and, you know, also making it more interactive. So that's why with like the truth, I've done a lot of burn um, events where people can burn certain pieces to get other pieces. And that is what sparked the idea for detective Jack, which is a choose your own adventure series um, about Detective Jack Crimson, who's a LAPD detective in the 1960s. Um, he's a very handsome, flawed man. And he, um, <laughs> you know, basically, I was doing with the truth all these like experiments around burning events and just yeah. realized they were like incredibly fun because you have to like make trade offs. Yeah. And it's fun to make trade offs. Sure. And so, Detective Jack, you know, basically, I was like, I'd always loved goosebumps. And so I think after I'd done the first burn event for the truth, I was like, oh shit, like this is need to do a choose your own adventure. And that sort of spiraled into uh, the detective Jack story. Let me ask you uh, in, in the truth, how do the, how, how many, like you've given us some stats and we'll go over them in a second, but you gave us via Twitter the other day, some stats for detective Jack, but in the truth, was how was that received? Was it the same? Was it like 50 50 for most of these pieces? Was it like immediately, like immediately everybody wanted to burn or how, how did that play out? Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, um, so, you know, the truth has been really cool. Cause like, I think when it launched, like immediately people were excited about it. Um, it was just like, it was an amazing reaction and someone, it was like the first time I'd ever created something that was in the visual media. Like I've, I've done a lot of professional writing and like, I've, you know, but like never been something to visual media before. And so getting a really positive response was like, wow, like it felt like it just felt really good. Um, and then, you know, with the burn events, it was really interesting with the truth, you know, the, um, it was, it was interesting. It, it definitely, I felt like it's more with the truth. It was more around people were like choosing the sort of aesthetics they liked. Mm. Um, 
but and like that was driving it so it was much less even right so it was more of like people be like oh like i like this piece more so i'm gonna burn this one and that that was cool too in terms of like helping collectors build the collection they want to have like if you have a piece and you don't like love it and there's another piece you like more like i want you to have the piece you love more like that's that's someone who also loves collecting like that really resonates with me yeah and then yeah with detective jack it's a um it's if you think about it, it's like a branching story it's like a fractal so um, each week you get two pieces you keep one and you burn the one you don't want. And then based on the one you kept, you get two more. And so in terms of, if you like look at a flow chart of it, it's one piece to join and then it's two pieces, then four pieces, then eight pieces and 16 pieces, then an additional week of 16 pieces. Um, and so a, it's like a lot of work, yeah. but B, um, each piece you get this like interesting effect of, um, you know, do you think, you know, are you picking based on the art of the current week? Are you picking based on where you think the art is going to go? Are you picking based on rarity? And is that rarity today or rarity around next week? Are you picking based on where you think the mystery is going to get solved? And so the first week, what happened, which was like kind of nuts. So much game is that theory. It was almost, yeah, there's so much game theory, which is like was the fun of it was that it, it actually ended up pretty even. So it was 111 to 122. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far in the next week, which we're, you know, when we're recording this, we're sort of wrapping up in a few days. So far, it's also, again, pretty even. So far, it seems that there is definitely a strong rarity sort of thing driving people because they're sort of self-evening out as people, a lot of people burn one and other people burn the other one. And I think my current working theory of that is actually that there's just different players in the game, right? And so some players I know because I've talked to them are really focused on wanting to solve the mystery. Other people are really focused on collecting the rarest set possible. And the rarest, even if only 30% of the people are like rarity hunters, they are going to even out the score over time, right? Just because like they're the marginal burner. Right. And so I think what's going to happen is until the numbers get really small in the final weeks, I think you're going to see this surprisingly even split among the storylines, which is like really interesting and was not expected, but like, now that I've like wrapped my head around it more, it sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a really cool idea. I used to love those choose your own adventure books. So for They're me, so good. Yeah, dude, these are such a cool thing. They're so good. Goosebumps. Oh my God. Sign me up. Well, see goosebumps. Mm, is after. Bit of Stein, yeah. Yeah. That those are, that's after my time. I, I had like, we, we used to have, like, <laughs> I'm aging myself. Yeah. But we used to have like after, like we used to have, um, Damn, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like there was also an Apple IIe sort of version of these things, and I used to play it on the Apple IIe as well. And Legend That's of Zorg cool. or some shit like this, I can't recall, but it had some strange things. Maybe somebody who's listening will be able to tell us what this is called. But like this Apple IIe version, or maybe I, afterwards I'll Google it and make put it in the show notes. But in any case, yeah, this is a really cool idea. So back to it in. The thing I wanted to go back, I, I'm still kind of on the burn before we come I mean, on the truth before I we get to before we get over to to Jack because I still wanted to ask. So you, with the truth, with the truth, just the context. So I've I've done a few different types of burn events. Yeah. So um, some have been like burn this to get that, and then I've tried different things with like sometimes they're like interrelated pieces, right? So like you know you can I think it was like you could burn one piece to get a piece where the piece was burned right so there's sometimes like I sort of do some interrelated there and then I've also done these open burns you can burn any piece in the entire collection to get a new piece that's been really interesting because I haven't seen that a lot of other people do that and that's actually I think been 
like a like you know like keeping the fun and the collecting sort of healthy like that's actually been really great because now if you're like hey i have a piece maybe it was airdropped to me by clown vamp but like i don't like it's not my favorite you have this like ramp versus instead of selling it you can always just burn it you know in the next burn event to get like a new one or a different one and so that's been really fun too because those have actually been pretty popular and i think have led to people having like the set that they want which is really as someone who's like very much you know a collector too it's like i know how important that feeling is like you don't want something like your ocd gets triggered if you have something you don't like absolutely love and so like i've tried to use a lot of these like emotions i felt as a collector in like designing some of these mechanics um on the other side too and And then also because obviously a lot of um you know, a lot of, I mean, particularly me, myself, I'm a hoarder inside of collecting art <laughs> and outside. You'll see my, you, if you saw my office, it's just a mess of cables that like a scart lead that I'll never need, you know. So I'm a hoarder. So like trying to think of um, like getting my head around burning a piece of art to get another one. I mean, I've done it, um, but there's always been like this really painful experience. Like I'm killing, <laughs> like sometimes it's been something I've, so I mean, how do you navigate around that? And then set my second kind of, kind of question which is tangentially related to this is when managing that sort of burn mechanic that's kind of uh, often time gated how do you um, and how do you see the the best way of managing um burning artworks so that no collector is ever you know their artworks ever bricked so for example you have the truth that we're, we're uh, sorry the detective jack that we're talking about did you have any collectors that forgot to burn one of theirs come come the end of the Sunday burn time and you just well well that's that's that and um, I'm afraid you're out of the game and yeah great question so um, try to answer all of them I think I remember all of them oh uh, so first I think that that feeling of like pain to me as a collector I actually enjoy because it means like you know it's like all all great things in life have um of regrets right like there's always any any big decision you make in life there's always also like a regret side right um, even if it's a decision you're super happy about and i think that that sort of clarity for me at least makes choices more fun and more meaningful um and i think if like if you have like any decision you make you still get every other option in life like you would just be like drowning in dopamine and you wouldn't actually be very happy so mm-hmm. For me personally, like, I think that I also have that mentality, as you've seen, like, I'll, like, sweep floors, like, I want to have all of it, but um, I also like having to sometimes be constrained and make a choice, and so that is, that is definitely part of it, um, and in Detective Jack, so, um, try to do a few things, so one is um, really, really clear deadline, right? it's, it's long, you get a week to burn it, um, and we have how we do it practically is one of our my discord mods built a spreadsheet that tracks all of it and they use nft bikers tools to track all of it and you can imagine it's actually quite complicated because like as the stories branch out and then you know send multiple sort of announcements and then also do um the day before i'll dm people who haven't done it yet just to like ping them and remind them so I sort of have conviction that like people have had infinite chances and warnings to like make the decisions. So if you forget at that point, you're sort of on your own. So I think with mm-hmm. week one, I think we had three people forget um, out of 229 players. So like, we'll take that. Um, obviously they have some silver lining, which is because they didn't burn. They do get 
they have an extra piece that they wouldn't mm. have otherwise. So that's sort of like some silver lining. But um, yeah, I do think that sometimes it's important in life to like have some constraints because if we always get exactly what we want all the time, life wouldn't actually be that fun. We'd become like crazy dopamine addicts who, you know, just we get everything we want to a point that we drown in abundance. So <laughs> sorry, that was kind of a rambling. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think that was really informative. So I guess what you'd, what you'd say, people that are kind of more casual collectors would want exposure to your work, but maybe a bit too busy to participate would, would kind of maybe wait until the, the series is over and then go hard on the secondary, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's yeah. sort of part of the thought, too, is that, like, I've always tried to make things pretty accessible um, and, you know, tried to make it where, like, there's different ways to play and there's different... So, like, with The Truth, like, you know, we did a series, we did a drop that was, um, you know, you get it by doing an art contest. And, you know, like... The art contest, it was, we did one prize. It was everyone who participated got it for the first 80 submissions, which you know, took two days. So anyone basically had time to do it um, for the ones that won. And then, you know, when I do drops, I'll do top offers and random. So in general, that's something that's important to me is like, you know, creating different ways to engage, different ways to collect. Because I know like as a collector, like I often just like, I just want to pay. I don't want to deal with, you know, something. Um and I think that's great, but then also like I want people who you know can only afford you know five tes to be able to also get in on it, right? Or can't even afford anything. I want them to be able to like you know participate in an art contest and like you know join that way. So um, that's probably the the inner socialist in me speaking. Um, <laughs> I definitely have a bunch of like very contrarian inner politics. Mm -hmm. um, Don't we uh, all? But yeah, so no, I, I, trying to yeah, try, trying to create different ways to play uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ed you you mentioned that you have burned have you burned any of clown damps works yeah uh yes i have i had to do some for obviously truth but then more recently um actually a kind of uh funny story i was i was wanting to get onto detective jack for for carpe dm but um you know managing a bunch of wallets you tesos architecture sometimes if you want to get um a lot of mints uh for for an fx hash drop you might have to set up multiple browsers and buy so so i got all of these browsers everywhere and i was like right i definitely want to get on this detective jack series for the dow but um accidentally went through on one of my well not it was accidentally but i'm now kind of somewhat glad i did because um being able to participate in that and had the new new works drop so i mean i'm glad i'm part of it but uh, i think as a doubt we're gonna have to come come after and sweep up a little bit <laughs> do you think do you foresee a big uh secondary action on, on this or do you think that this is more for the players that are playing right away I, I definitely um, do. I oh sorry. Was it, was it just to either I, of you, I mean, I, I do know. personally. I, I, I yeah, I'm massively. Oh, thanks. Ed. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I know there's a bunch of people who are waiting for the game to end and planning to like try and collect the entire set. So I definitely think you know. I mean, definitely, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, but like, I think there's a strong chance of that. And then also, like, from a game perspective, like, I plan to do a bunch of things with the mechanics around sort of post-secondary too, around like how do things blend into season two? Like, are there sort of like offshoots of the story that come from maybe burning? You know, I'm um, getting a print designer to do a book um, where you can actually like go through the whole choose your adventure story in the sort of a book format. 
And that'll be um, my current plan is to gate that to people who hold at least one piece. So like, yeah, I think there, I'm, 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 I, my experimental uh, geeky nature will definitely pervade into the secondary. But one of the most fun things has been that there's this one month period where there is no secondary and seeing how engaged people have been and like trying to solve the mystery and, and do it. Cause I, that's like, for me, this big thesis with NFTs is that like, you need to, for the sustainability of the ecosystem, come up with parts of NFTs that are really fun and engaging outside of price speculation, even though price speculation is really fun. I think if it's the only utility, it, it like, it obviously I think is worse for the wear. Whenever you're doing something mm. like this, it's true. Um, yeah, you know, here's my thing on this. You, you've got me FOMOing, first of all, for missing out on damn Detective Jack. I, I feel him. <laughs> but I also know that I wouldn't have been able to keep, I, I wouldn't be able to keep up. I'm just, uh, I'm too I'm too busy to do that. And that was kind of why I stepped, stepped away. I was like, I'm just going to have to enjoy this from the sidelines because I'm just going to lose track, um, which is kind of what happened with me and the truth as well, is I just can't focus my efforts enough on, on doing all of the things I want to do. But to the to the point of the secondary thing the work itself is beautiful each one of the pieces you you take a lot of time i'm sure you're training i'm sure you're doing a lot to get to get to those particular outputs the work is very strong creating a book out of this is genius and this was the thing that i was going to bring up was to ask you what are you going to do afterwards? Because how are you going to top this? You know, like this, at this point, you're kind of like you're build. you built like a really cool thing in the truth. And now with detective Jack, you're building an even crazier thing and you're going to build a book out of it. This is wild. But you know, like this has got like so much, this is so much further. And I don't really know where I'm going with this other than to just praise the idea. Cause I think it's really, oh, it's, it's, That's it's, sweet. it's such a cool I appreciate idea. That. And you know, this was, the I will say I have like, I have like, I have like a long timeline of things that I'm scheming about and thinking about. Um, and I tend to think in like longer horizons. Like I've been thinking about Detective Jack all summer. Yeah. Um, would would so you like ever I have, sorry, no, carry on. I've, I've interrupted you there. No, no, you're good. I just, I just, I would, I, uh, I have like, if, if you like this kind of stuff, there's like, in addition to like season two of Detective Jack and season three, like there'll be a lots of other fun, interesting things. Like I plan to keep it, keep it spicy. Mm -hmm. mm. would you would you ever think about doing like kind of a, a lazy man or lazy woman's pass where you just say listen here's rather than paying i think it was 40 tes wasn't it at the beginning of the, the detective yeah. jack so rather than that maybe they have a lazy man's pass where you just say uh, you'll be randomly assigned a burn and uh you know somewhere some way for people to get exposure that might might not otherwise be able to hop on and look at the art and decide what to burn. They just say, I just, I want to be part of this whole narrative and I want to kind of go through it and see how it happened on a random, randomly generated way. Um, <clears throat> so they could participate in a kind of hands-off approach. Would, would that ever be something that you would humor or even incorporate into your process? I don't know. It's a good idea. I mean, I think, I know there's some people I've talked to who have sort of like flirted with the idea of building out um, and I've been like very encouraging of this. Like I've been posting threads and like the mechanics and how it works. And I'm going to post like a debrief thread and try to like provide some resources for other people who want to do this. But in general, I think my hope is that this, um, like I think in my like ideal world of worlds where like everything goes perfect, this becomes a primitive that someone builds like an app to manage, <laughs> you know? Cause like, it's like right now we're doing it with like spreadsheets and sort of like, 
you know, we'd like stitch these like different things together and we're using NFT biker tools and all that. And so my mm. hope is that someone's idea ruthlessly copies it into like some sort of like DAP that like manages all of it. And then maybe that's like a checkbox option where it's like, hey, if I haven't burned by the end of the week, like burn one random piece. That would that would be, I think, wouldn't that be that fantastic? Would be yeah, that'd be so cool. Uh, mm. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like really hoping to be ruthlessly copied. That is like explicitly the goal because like I want to play in these stories too. Yeah, so, sure. Like, I'm trying to like, yeah, I'm like, please copy me. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea of like what Ed just brought up, like the lazy person's version, you know, like what a, what a great, great way to do this. Just like, okay, I don't know what to do here. I'm, I can't really pay attention. I'll have this on until I change it. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think it'll be, it'll be quite cool for, for, you know, you, you just want exposure. You love it. But there's, you know, there's, there's, there's clown vamp doing this yet, yeah, but there's others, you know, you've got uh, dimes and just other, other AI artists, uh, AI artists that are trying to, trying to do narratives. And it's, Sometimes uh, I don't know. Like I could, I could foresee as this starts to explode more as it is now, people getting a little fatigued of trying to follow narratives, and it's no, it would be no um, disservice to the narratives being built. It's just, well, that's just AI, and I'm trying to get on top of that. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole world of generative, and then there's a whole world of other art, and so it just feels like they could get come to a point where people just might go, oh, that looks really fun, but I'm not sure if I the time commitments there for me. So I might pass on it. But if you could just go, yeah, get me involved in that. And it, by hook or crook, that'd be amazing. Mm. Anyway, so it was just, a, it was a, it was a thought. It was actually, I was actually more thinking about well, one, one other point I had is these, you know, you got the truth collection um, and, and detective Jack. Now in five, 10, 15 years time, when people uncover these and want to learn about these, do, do you have any plans of maybe, I mean, you, you mentioned a little bit about uh, like writing up, but w would you like have, have a written up like PDF uh, appended to the collection if you will in objects? So, so, you know, as I said, 10 years time, people can go, well, what, what is this? And then maybe a PDF just lays it all out, how it happened, what the, what the, what the rules were and how it unfolded and some interesting tweets in the PDF cool kind of, because I mean, I would love that. I know that in 10 years time, my memory is awful. So I would love in 10 years time, to, <laughs> you know, find a, find a fantastic project and you'd love to learn, you know, we, we've got resources to learn about like generative stuff and you've got this FX hash is obviously doing articles now, but um you've seen the P use of pdfs a lot more on on object which is great to learn you know we got the tickle cool. which is really lovely to learn about stuff so i think yeah i just also a good yeah. idea for the for the book to probably have like a explainer in the book around the mechanics of it too and that can maybe double duty as something online too i know there's um there's um someone i linked it in my in my discord in the link section but like someone um is, Danny, who's a really wonderful community member, he built a DECA gallery of all of the pieces in the truth in chronological order because they don't come out chronologically. And it's actually like, even for me, it's really fun to like go and experience them like that because oh, that's like cool. that's not how they come out, but yeah. it's, it is one cohesive story. And so, um, I, you know, my sort of my gut would be like, my hope would be someone in the community build something like what you're describing, but I definitely think in the the like the book edition that i'm going to do definitely should include an explainer like that that's a really good idea did you build it would be, be lovely to look at yeah did you build the boutique gallery that um the boutique.art gallery that they have on the front page or was that built for you i didn't know there is there a i didn't know oh what, 
Go to boutique.art. It's a pretty interesting thing. It's like a, it's actually a new tool to showcase your collection. Oh yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't. Oh, I didn't. Um, no, I did not build this. This is cool. It is right, and I was I was looking for it, but it's not there. You can't actual. It's just an image of it. Just a mock up. <laughs> so yeah, where where so is this? Where am I, where am I looking? On boutique.art. B u t i q dot a r t. Boutique.art. Um, and it's like a, it, it's a new, it's a new thing. I'm, I'm, I can't, I don't remember who actually made it, but See, some, I think cliche, cliche is involved in this. Yeah. I think they pinged me about it. Some, I saw it because Fitlick did something with it. And then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll screw around with this for a little bit. Cause it's kind of like more up my alley than like, I'm kind of over the DECA thing. I gotta be real. Um, DECA, DECA is cool, but DECA like. I'm very, whenever anyone's good at like setting up decas, I'm very impressed. So I'm like, I don't know how this works. Like I get so confused. Yeah, I It's like that. kind of overwhelming. That's part of it. But the other part of it is I'm just tired of their like engagement farming thing that they are pushing out and forcing you into. And that's kind of why I kind of got off of it. But like in any case, it doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. And I also played around with the tender grail grids. Those are pretty fun to play with whenever you want to build like a specific thing you know, like, oh, I want to focus everything on this particular idea, which is really nice. And you don't have to use stuff from your own collection. You can use anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like that too. So, but yeah, it, you know, in any case, those are like really neat tools and that's a really cool idea. And I was wondering though, if, if you had done that or if that was somebody, if that was just a mock-up, because if it was, if it was you, it would yeah, I think it was just a mock-up. <laughs> it's too bad because then I would be able to look at it and kind of get a better overview of what the you hell. were going to get some praise there. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I you know, I want to see, I want to know what the hell's going on. If you could link, if you could send me a link to the Deca Gallery that's in chronicle a chronological order, I'd love that. I'd love to see that as well. Yeah, I was, I was meaning to say that. I'd love to see that. And that was done by a community member, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it in the the Discord, uh, our our Discord group. But yeah, it's 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 really and they did like it was neat. I mean, they did it with like there's like a sort of like a diaryish font, um, and um, here let me send it to you guys. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, it, it was really cool and like he keeps it up to date too. It is funny for me because like the pieces come out non chronologically, and as over the last few months the technology behind AI has gotten even dramatically better. And so like, I feel sometimes a bit cringy about some of the original pieces, um, which, you know, in the story kind of come in random places. Um, people love them, but I, you know, I just now know like what's possible with some of this stuff. And so it was like, it's an interesting like trip down memory lane for me to see, see some of these things. Cause even since like July, I mean, like these models have gotten so much better. It's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah, I think that's almost just kind of one of the curses of an artist as well. Looking back retrospectively, yeah. you go like, "Oh, what was I doing back then?" And yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, and the other thing is now that so many people are using it, they're able to train these things a lot, you know, a lot better because the more obviously. Well, one thing people don't understand about stability is that, like, reason one of the reasons stable diffusion is so good is that they had this long beta period where people could like rate the outputs and they fed those ratings back into the model to train it on aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big part of like the secret sauce. And like, you know, so it's like, it's like it does, these models have learned human taste to some degree, which is kind of a mind trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kinda. <laughs> um, I, I, I know we're, we're near and the end. I just had 
another question regarding the difference between technologies you've used on the truth and uh, Detective Jack. You know, they're, they're almost different styles. Um, yeah. Uh, and I wonder if that's derived out of uh, your aesthetic choice and you've used similar tools, but just tried to get them to do other things. Or if it's you, you've swapped tools and, and if so, what tools are you looking to, to use for upcoming series? And yeah. Yeah. Great question. So um, the the truth was originally done mostly in mid journey. And then I, um, the more recent pieces have actually been done in stable diffusion. Mm-hmm. And then the detective Jack is all stable diffusion. And then I've also, I use um, Dolly through editing. So, like I'll edit details in Dolly. Um, and, you know, I'm a big stable diffusion fan. I actually invested in, they did like an artist round and like, I'm like, a, I'm a pretty big fanboy. I just think like, so freakishly powerful um Mm -hmm. mid journey i think is the most forgiving of the tools i think it's like whenever i have friends i always drive them to start there because it creates things that are really aesthetic and coherent even if your prompt isn't perfect i think stable diffusion can be a bit more finicky um Mm -hmm. but in general like i think like long term for now like you know we'll see how the models keep changing but these days I'm, i'm definitely leaning towards stable diffusion because i think as i'm getting better at prompting and like as I use multiple things I feel like I'm able to like control and get to where I want to get um but I posted a thread on Twitter I think is like helpful for people which is that like for any detective jack piece you know I'm probably generating well over a thousand outputs if not over two thousand to three thousand sometimes and then from there it winnows down to I save down on my computer um, somewhere between like 200 to 600, sometimes 800 like pieces. And then I filter, I keep filtering from there. And I usually will get down to like a couple finalists, which I will like do full, you know, upscaling, color correction, whatever to try and pick. And so just for like people's context, I think it's helpful to understand like these tools are still pretty primitive in that sense, right? Like yeah. if you looked at a random able diffusion output of mine you'd be like what the hell is going on right mm-hmm. but like it's about like that like curation and iterative process and then getting one and then you know like refining it or editing it and fixing things and like all of that is still part of the journey it's just um you know i, I try and encourage people who feel like oh they're not getting the outputs they want i'm like well you need to like really just like a lot of this is just keeping at it and iterating and you know getting getting there yeah. Mm. Hey guys, this has been a fantastic call. I've really enjoyed the hell out of this chat. I've, I've had a good time and I've learned a lot. Me too. And, Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I appreciate both of you. And uh, thanks a lot for being on. I'm sorry, I've got to end it. I've got to give these like specific little things I've got to say um, here, but I appreciate uh, both of your time. And, and this has been a lot of fun to chat with you guys. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Arbitrarily Deterministic here on keithfm.com. If you've liked what you've listened to, there's a nice yellow donate button right there on the screen. You click it. You can PayPal us some cash, and we'll use it to continue doing this stuff. Everything we do here is completely donation-based, donation-oriented. If you're listening to this and you have a Tez wallet, you can send me some Tez to I don't like te- don't like podcasts.tez graciously donated to me by Ozzy. Again, guys, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, this is Ken signing off. And guys, you guys want to say bye?
thanks for having me. This was super fun and uh, I enjoyed geeking out with both of you. Thanks. So yeah, hugely. Uh, delightful talking to you, Clown Bap, and massively appreciate the invite, Ken. All hugely. Right. Thanks a lot, y'all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>